Hello, and welcome to the White's Chapel Sermon Podcast. We're so glad you've taken the time to listen to our weekly sermons. This is a quick way to enjoy or even revisit a recent message. When Hannah and I got married, we moved into a small rental house, uh, and we had a tiny backyard. Our, our yard was maybe eight feet long, maybe four feet wide. So it wasn't much, but it was the first time in my adult life that I had ever had an outdoor space to myself. And so I was, uh, I was very excited about that. We were, we were both very excited about that. And so we talked about what we could do with this small space. There wasn't exactly room to build a pool, so uh, nor could we afford that. But, but we talked about what we could do with this small amount of grass and asphalt uh, that made up our backyard. And we decided that we would try out our hand at planting some stuff. So very carefully, Hannah picked out all these herbs and vegetables that grow well in Texas. Uh, but I only cared about one thing. I cared about the jalapeno plant. It's that one there on the right with my yard that hadn't been mowed in quite some time. Uh, but that's why I wanted to grow, the jalapenos. I used to love all things spicy uh, until, some of y'all may remember this, we did a, a show called Spice Chapel during COVID where I would interview church staff and we would eat like crazy hot sauces. Anyway, that ruined spicy stuff for me for a while. Uh, but that's beside the point. Before that, I was, I was, I love spicy and so I was super excited about this jalapeno plant. And so I tried to follow all of the stuff that I read online. I, I watered it frequently. I tried to keep it in the right amount of sun. Uh, and after all of that work and all of that tending, this is what I got. I don't know if you can see those. Um, this plant grew five super tiny red jalapenos. I didn't even know jalapenos came in red. I guess I left them on too long, but I don't know if you can tell, but they're only about an inch long. So I assumed that they needed more time. Uh, well, to make matters worse, as soon as I picked those tiny, tiny jalapenos, uh, the plant died, <laughs> like immediately. And, and that was the last time I ever tried planting anything. Because I learned that I have the opposite of a green thumb. I guess I have a red thumb. Uh, I learned that I am a really, really bad farmer. And so is the man in our scripture. And so if you've got your Bibles, you can pull those out. We're going to be reading from the Gospel of Matthew today. Uh, but this is a parable that is also in Mark. It's also in Luke. It's the parable of the sower. You may have heard this before. This is Matthew 13, verses 1 through 9. That same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea. Such great crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and he sat there while the whole crowd stood on the beach. And he told them many things in parables, saying, listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell on the path and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they didn't have much soil, and they sprang up quickly since they had no depth of, depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched, and since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and brought forth grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. If you have ears, hear. Okay, so I want you to imagine, 
that you are a first century person hearing Jesus tell this parable. And up to this point, you've been having a hard time following what this guy is saying. Turn the other cheek, love your neighbor, pray for your enemies. Uh, it, It hasn't made a lot of sense. But finally, he starts a story with something you understand. He's talking about a sower, a farmer who's sowing seeds. And you and most of the people listening that day, y'all get that. That's what you do for a living. So you're excited. He's finally going to make a little bit of sense. But then he tells you about a farmer who wastes a bunch of his seeds. He throws some on the path and some on the rocks and some on the thorns. And only one place that those seeds ended up was on good soil. And those seeds produced really well, but still 75% of the places that those seeds landed were bad. What would you think of that? Okay, let let me try and restate this parable in modern terms so that we can hear it the way that a first century audience would have. Uh, Imagine that you have a certain sum of money to invest. And somebody tells you to place your investment in four different places. They say to put some in VHS players, some in this great company called Enron, and some, they tell you to bet on the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl this year. Now I'm sorry to, I'm a huge Cowboys fan, I'm sorry to poke fun at the Cowboys, but to be fair, it's been 27 years. Uh, Anyway, they, they only suggest one place for you to put your investment that might actually succeed. If somebody told you that, you would balk at it. We would think that that 75% of their suggestions were terrible investments. Why not put it all on the good one? Why would you waste so much of your capital? See, that's exactly what those hearing this parable in the first century, that's exactly what they would have thought. Seeds were precious. They were investments. And yet Jesus says that 75% of the places that this farmer sows his seeds were places they weren't going to grow. The crowd listening to this would have thought that this guy must be horrible at his job. Why would anyone do that? Why would he spread that seed so carelessly and so indiscriminately? That's what we're going to be talking about today. See, Jesus uses this parable to tell us that we're supposed to be bad farmers because really bad farmers make really good evangelists. What makes a bad farmer makes a good disciple. This parable is about evangelism and that term, that idea, it has a lot of baggage today. It was misunderstood in its day, in this parable's day by the crowd that Jesus is speaking to on this beach. And to be honest, it is still often misunderstood these days. I've had many conversations over the course of my ministry with people who are uncomfortable with evangelism. They're intimidated by sharing their faith or telling their story or inviting people to church. And so today I want us to go back to the basics. I wanna answer two questions about evangelism and about why Jesus calls us to be bad farmers. And the first and probably the most common question that I've heard is how? 
how are we supposed to evangelize? Because let's be honest, we have probably seen a lot of bad examples of evangelism. Maybe you've encountered one of those screaming street preachers holding signs and yelling at strangers. Or maybe you've been handed a a condemning pamphlet before that describes all the ways that you're going to hell. Evangelism does not have to look like that. In fact, I would argue that that kind of uh, proselytizing, it rarely leads to actual relationship with God. So how do we share our faith? Because we know we're called to. There's no doubt about that. Jesus shares this parable and several others. And then just before he ascends to heaven, he gives us the Great Commission. He says, you will go and make disciples of all the nations. So we know we're supposed to do it. But how? You know, I think, I think we overhype this sometimes in our heads. The truth is, it is as simple as just being open about your faith. Telling your story wherever and whenever there is an opportunity. That's it. It doesn't have to be complicated. Just tell others what God has done for you. Tell them what what you've seen him do in the lives of those around you. You don't have to come up with some perfectly persuasive speech, and you don't have to have some tear-jerking mountaintop testimony. You've just got to tell somebody. Many of y'all know that I'm a, a preacher's kid, and when I was growing up, my dad would give the same benediction every single Sunday. He would come down from the chancel, and he would get up in front of all the people, and he would raise his arms, and he would say, go tell somebody about Marvin. Uh, That was my home church, Marvin United Methodist in Tyler, Texas. Anyway, he uh, he would do this benediction every single week, and I never thought much of it. That was until I found myself serving my first churches, two little churches in Arkansas, and honestly, I just needed something to say at the end of the service. I didn't know how to end a church service. And, and so I stole my dad's benediction. At the close of the service, I would get up, and I would raise my arms, and I would say, go tell somebody about Cecil. Cecil Methodist Church, that's, that was the church, uh, one of the churches I was at. Uh, again, I didn't think pretty much anything of it. But then, after I started doing this, all of these church members started running up to me on Sundays and saying, I did it. I told somebody. I told somebody about Cecil. I told them about how amazing Vicky's song was last week. I told them about how powerful that communion service was. I told them about how, how, how amazing our Sunday school curriculum has been these last few weeks. They took that benediction and they ran with it. They went to friends and family and members of the community and, and they just shared what was going on in their church. And you know what? Some of those people who they told started coming to the church. And some of those people that they told joined the church. And it wasn't because they had been bullied into faith. It's not like they felt like they had to, they wanted to. They wanted to see what all the fuss was about. They wanted to understand why they were being told uh, about this tiny church in the middle of nowhere. And I finally understood why my dad used that benediction every week. He was encouraging people to scatter seeds indiscriminately. 
He was encouraging people. He was pushing people to be bad farmers. By having people go into their community and simply share what their church was up to, lives were being changed. Disciples were being made. The community was growing. It turns out that that kind of evangelism, people just sharing what God was up to wherever, whenever, it turns out that kind of evangelism is pretty effective. Maybe that's why Jesus suggests it in our parable. I mean, let's just look back. Clearly, the sower from our story, he didn't formulate some intricate plan. He just threw seed out there. He took what he had, and he shared it with the world around him. And in terms of farming, that's a terrible idea. That is not the most effective strategy. But you know what? It's really good evangelism. That's being a really good disciple. So that's what we do. We share our stories. We sling seeds in all directions. Wherever we are, we tell somebody. We tell them what God's doing in our community and in our church and in our personal lives. You know, it's not complicated, but it is powerful. So that's, that's how. That's the first question that people often ask in regard to evangelism. The other question that people often ask is who? Who are we supposed to be evangelizing? And again, the answer is pretty simple. It's whoever you're around. You don't have to go find a street corner and set up with a sign. In fact, I would urge you not to. Because the best evangelism you can do is usually to the people that you encounter just living your life. Maybe sometimes it's, it's someone you don't know. But a lot of the time, most of the time, it's family. It's friends, it's colleagues, it's just the soil you're surrounded by. It's whoever we come across on a given day who needs love and peace and hope and the gospel. Notice that the farmer from our parable, he doesn't spend a bunch of time analyzing the dirt before he starts throwing seeds. He doesn't get down on his hands and knees and, and evaluate whether or not it's the perfect environment for something to grow. He doesn't discriminate on who gets the seed. He just throws it. He throws it on the path and on the rocks and on the thorns and on good soil and bad soil alike. And again, that makes a bad farmer, but it makes a good evangelist. See, just like him, we are called to throw our seeds right where we are. Yes, sometimes God may put someone in your path that you don't know. And you may feel a conviction or, or you may sense that there is an opportunity to extend an invitation to church or to share your story or to talk about Jesus. And that is great. That is wonderful. I would encourage you to do that if you feel like the Spirit is leading you to do that. But when it comes to who we evangelize, we are, are missing something if we only focus on people we don't know and we neglect the people that we live and work with. We are missing something if we neglect to throw seeds on the soil that we're standing on every day. That's what Jesus told many of the people that he healed to do. 
There are several times in Scripture where, where Jesus restores sight to someone, or he exercises a demon, and then he tells that person to go home and to tell the story. He tells them to go to their family and to share what happened. I love what Mother Teresa says. She said, if you want to change the world, go home and love your family. Who do we share our faith with? It's the people in our lives. It's the people right where we are, just like the man in our parable. We throw seeds on the path and the rocks and the thorns and the soil that's right around us. Think about it like this. Over an average lifetime, uh, this is appropriate on Labor Day, on an, an average life, over an average lifetime, we spend 90,000 hours at our jobs. And the majority of the rest of that time, we spend at home. And so the people that we influence most are the people that we are around most. Our kids, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors. And research supports this idea. A couple of years ago, Lifeway Research surveyed 2,000 Americans who uh, didn't attend church. And they asked them a pretty simple question. They asked them, what would get you to attend a church? What would draw you to visit one? And these were the results. 23% said that a, a television commercial might get them to, to check out a church. 23% said a postcard. 18% said a Facebook ad. But by far the most, 51% said that a personal invitation from a friend or a family member would get them to attend a church to visit more than double any other. So what does this study tell us? It tells us that the most effective evangelism by far comes from friends and family members personally making an invitation to church. That kind of evangelism is more powerful than any social media ad or commercial or material that we could ever send out. It's more powerful than any clever strategy we could ever, we could ever come up with. It's the soil that is right around you that is often the most fertile. So first, how do we share the gospel? We tell somebody. Whenever, wherever, we, we just share what we see God doing. And who do we share the gospel with? Whoever's around us. Strangers, sure. But mostly, our family, our friends, our colleagues, the people, the soil that is around us. That's how and that's who. But there's actually one more question I want us to answer today. And it's the most important question of all. Why? Why do we share the gospel? Why do we do the often uncomfortable work of evangelism? Uh, this week, I was reminded more than most weeks of exactly why we do it. I went to two funerals this week. One I attended and helped out with, and the other I officiated. And you know, earlier this week, I thought that after a week full of, of multiple funerals, and writing a sermon and, and all the additional work stress that inevitably comes with the beginning of the programming year, I thought that I might feel a little down. 
That's normal. I am an empath for sure. But you know what? I actually feel the opposite. I feel really hopeful. I feel grateful. You know, at each one of those services, I either got to hear or I got to share the good news of the gospel. And I don't take that for granted. I don't take for granted what, what an, an honor that is. See, those funerals were extremely different. Different people, different lives, different ages. But both of them shared the same truth. They both had a savior who loved them passionately. They both had a God who gave his son so that they might have a way to eternal life. And I believe that they are both resting in the arms of Jesus as we speak. That is their truth, but it's also our truth. We have a God who is love, who is peace, who is hope, who is joy, who is goodness. That isn't just some set of cathartic words that we tell people who are experiencing loss. If those are just words, I don't want this job anymore. But you know what? It's not just words. Life has meaning. God has given us a purpose and God has taken the scariest thing that exists, death itself, and he's defeated it. Why do we share the gospel? Why wouldn't we? How could we not? We have the greatest news in history. We are forgiven. We are redeemed. We have ultimate hope. So let's go out and spread that seed indiscriminately. Let's, let's throw it everywhere, sling it all over the place. On the path, on the rocks, on the thorns, on bad soil, on good soil. Let's spread it to everyone, everywhere, always. Let's go and tell somebody. And let's all be really bad farmers. Hallelujah. Amen. Will you pray with me? God, we thank you so much for the gift of, of your son, Jesus Christ. We thank you for the good news that, that we all share because of his life and his death and his resurrection. Lord, if there are those of us who are intimidated by the idea of of going out and sharing our faith and telling our story, or if there are those of us who, who don't think that our story is enough, that it's not interesting enough, or, or we don't have enough to say, or we're not good at saying it. Lord, remind us that you will equip us, that when we share, we don't share alone. We, we share with you right by our side. Lord, help us to go from this place and to be bad farmers. Thank you for joining us. Please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe so you don't miss new releases. We'll have new podcasts coming out all the time. Be sure to check us out online at whiteschapelumc.com. Please download the WC Life app and follow us on social media to stay up to date with all things WC.